Happy New Year's 2024. You're now with your host, Richie Rich, and my man, Down Payment Dylan. It is the one and only Sold in 60, the number one timeshare podcast in the world. And today, today's guest, his name is Risk Toki. This young man is about 19 years old, just been in the game for about six months, made money. He's going to share with us his journey, and we about to tap in and see what that's like. Risk, welcome to the show. I know you made money early, early, early in the game. We know what's going on, so let's talk right. Let's get right to it, man. What's popping, man? Hey, uh, thank you for having me, man. I appreciate you having me on here. We appreciate you pulling up. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Shoot, it's 2024. You just got in the game six months ago. Six months ago, right? Yeah, end of July. Oh, no, end of June I started, the 24th. End of June. 24th so end of june so what that's 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 like you saw the summer wave and then you had this little break right there was a little break because after the summer we get what september october then we pick back up in november and then december really gets gets popping right yeah december was popping so let me ask you this um how did you even end up in timeshare industry how that happened Oh, man, that's actually, um, you want the short version or the long version? That, that's a story. <laughs> yeah, we got time. <clears throat> All right, so um, I was 16, man, and uh, I, I used to work at McDonald's. Yeah. And I had just got fired from my job. Mm. And I was depressed because, man, I was trying to save up money, buy a car, you know, like take, take some hoes out, you know how it goes. Yeah, yeah, I was 16. Yeah, for sure. I went back home, and I was applying at Panda Express. And I had a, a family friend over who knew a guy who knew a guy who was married to a woman who got a son that were admin at Westgate. <laughs> and she was like, why are you applying for fast food? I can get you at this resort 15 bucks an hour. Mm. Why don't you Why don't you apply? So she made a phone call, and then her connect made a call, and eventually it put me on with my uh, my future manager in the admin department. And I had done the interview process, and I'm getting a job in admin. From there, I just, uh, I used to run reports, man. I, Watch the salespeople make money. Mm-hmm. Talk about how they got no degree. They was making more money than doctors. And man, everybody just kind of convinced me to come out. And it was a great scapegoat to get drop out of school. So, because <laughs> I didn't really want to do school either. And I've been here since, I guess. So let, let me bring it back. So you work in the admin. Uh-huh. You working? You doing in admin? They're doing the turning in the deals that the salespeople uh, write. And you're looking at these numbers and you're like, okay, whatever this means. At what point did you say, how much did they get paid off of this sale? And when you did that calculation, what was your first thought? Well, like every single day we uh, we used to send out the reports for the numbers for the day. Mm-hmm. And we used to send it to the bosses, like the, the guys up there. And on the report, it would say a name, the business they wrote, and their commission. And I remember I, I looked at the top. And then I'm not going to say no names, but the top person for that day had wrote $71,000. Mm-hmm. Right next to it, it said 13%. So I got a little curious, and I typed the number in. I was like, damn, that's what I make in four months. And I did the math. I was like, they write this every single day. And obviously, this wasn't realistic. Mm-hmm. I was like, damn, these people make over a million dollars. Turned out not to be the case, but still. And just the fact that these people were so successful wearing, like, rollies and nice scarves and they were wearing suits and yeah they show their money but it's like you can see the money's really there it's like i could see it right and i watch people on a daily basis turning a deal and i know this guy just made two grand and i'm making 15 bucks for typing it in the computer yeah. damn <laughs> now i know that um in the admin window it's a different vibe i've been back there and it's a little bit more relaxing and you know, what's that like when they come to the window and there's pressure and they're like, ah, I need this, I need that. And, you know, like, it's a different type of energy. Because behind putting together the deal is a different type. It's not to say serene, but it's not the same, you know? Yeah, it's it's not the same. There's definitely pressure behind the window because the salesperson's pressure is like, they're putting it onto you. Mm-hmm. But at the time, what I didn't understand, which I understood, but I didn't understand, was they had uh, thousands of dollars on the line. And they didn't know when their next deal was coming. And the fate of that deal, knowing how rushed these families on, are, kind of depend a little bit on how fast I did my job. Mm-hmm. Which in the grand scheme of things, anybody could have done my job. 
But it was like it needed to be done with haste. But it just it was kind of like dealing with the salespeople was a precursor to actually doing sales itself. Because like, yeah, the, the people would come up to me and be like, man, look, I need this done now. And they'd freak out. But I almost had to sell them on the fact that, look, I'm taking care of your shit. Even if I was busy as hell and their deal right. is four or five down the line. I'm like, look, man, I got you. Yours is coming. Like, you got to <laughs> calm down. And part of the job was kind of like selling them on the fact that I was helping them. Yeah. Even though half the time I was just like pushing this shit aside. Right, right, right. right. I get to it when I get to it. That's funny. Damn. How do you treat the admin people now when you go up to the window? Um, I mean, I I try to be respectful. I, like, I obviously understand how it was back then or how it is back there. I'm sorry. But I, I try my best to not really put a rush on somebody or like, be like, yo, do my shit now. Because a lot of time people be disrespectful, man. They come by and they think they're better than everybody. Yeah. Not everybody, but some people. Yeah. I've heard and that. I, and I try not to be like that, you know. It's just. Yeah. yeah. Have you got any of your admin buddies and brought them over to the other side, to the sales side? Nah, man, I just I just came. You Got know? you. I mean, I I hit the floor with two people I used to work with, but other than them, nah, I just it was me. Some people left before me. There was a sweet lady that used to work with us. She hit the floor before me. She uh she's not here no more. But you know, everybody either makes a jump onto the floor or they move on to something else. Got you. I think there's a big pressure that when it when it comes to coming out of one position to another because you're around these salespeople for so long. They're like, yeah, you should come, man. Come do it. And then it's other people are watching you. So like when you when you left that department, they're watching to see, well, do you, do you make it or do you, not, do you not make it? And there's some people I know that left admin that came to the floor and they just couldn't adapt fast enough, you know? So I think that's a, I think that you are like motivation for those people in different departments. You know, I've heard of, Many people that started from housekeeping or bell staff and same thing, they see what's going on and they say, what's that up there? Sales. And then they get into sales and they either make it or they don't make it. But when you make it, you're like the, the hope for those people. I mean, I can definitely see what you're saying because people say it, right? They'll, they'll tell me like, hey, look, man, you're the only one that survived. You're the only one that made it. Because mm -hmm. truthfully, nobody on the sales floor where I work at least used to be admin. But at the same time, I don't think they should look at me like a ray of hope because the fact that I used to be admin and the fact that I made it on the sales floor, yeah, it helped a little bit that, you know, I already knew everybody, people helped me out. But I don't think it should have any uh, connection to what I'm doing on the floor. Yes, it was a stepping stone for me to achieve the opportunity that I had, but it's not like I'm on the floor because I was an admin. It, was, it just happens to be that I was admin and I made it on the floor. Mm -hmm. So whenever people think like, oh, Risk, he, he did well on the floor. He used to be admin. They shouldn't think it like that. They should just do say, think Risk did well on the floor. Wasn't anything before. Because mm -hmm. coming from admin, at least in my opinion, is the same as if you came from Bell Staff or from if you would have came from housekeeping or from another company or from straight out of high school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you're not directly working with the owners that's on the table at the time, right? <clears throat> you're in the back. Yeah, like I, I had a, a little bit of product knowledge going into it, but it wasn't like I knew sales pitches or anything like that coming right, into right, it. Right, right. I didn't realize the stress I'd be going into. I didn't realize how my day-to-day -day would be. It's like that would be the equivalent of saying, like, man, you've been watching NBA games courtside. You're going to be good on the floor. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. it, it, don't, it don't correlate, you know? Yeah. I had never got a shot. Sure. I never did sales before. Cause yeah. I don't know. Just I don't think that it goes together. Well, know? I don't mean like they think that you're successful because you was admin. I'm saying that it's hope to. I don't have to work for fifteen dollars an hour forever. Uh -huh. There's more opportunity out there. Like Patricia James. I'll just throw names out there. Patricia James was food, food and beverage. You know the same ladies that changed the the potatoes and, and the eggs. That's what yeah. Patricia James did to become. And she worked with my parents. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you the story. My dad told her you should do this and said come with me on a ride. And took her on the ride, and she watched what he did, and she was like, how the heck do you sell these people? I think I can do that. And she got her real estate license got in the game. This, lady's, this lady has been in the game, I just said, with my parents, right? And just the other day, they praised her for writing. I think she wrote a little over a million dollars in six months or whatever. Yeah. But this is the person that's old school, you know what I'm saying? But again, 
The same people that you see that's in um that's on food and beverage that don't really speak English. They come from like uh, the immigrants. They say they see that they see what's going on in the sales floor. They see the salespeople moving and shaking. You know, there's a one lady that comes and always asks for donations, and we we real generous and will give. But then they 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 need to know there's hope. Like I don't gotta do this job and only get paid fifteen dollars an hour. I could do the same thing that you do, and I think that's what I mean by saying. People have to see there's more opportunity. At 19 years old, at 19 years old, 19, you yeah. made 80 grand in six months. Uh, Who's doing more that? Or more or less. More or less. More or less. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to put it. Don't yeah. try to put it. We got. Hit. Don't try to put no hit outs. You know. Yeah. But you get what I'm saying. I'm just saying like there's somebody right now still trying to figure it out. They're still in school. They're still having thoughts of what they're gonna do when they get out of school, and you took a leap. You took a leap. There's some 19-year-olds out there right now that don't even think making that type of money is even possible for them. You know what I'm saying? So you're definitely showing them, like, man, I could be 18, 19 years old making that type of money. You know what I'm saying? Some 19-year-old watching this right now, for sure. So it's definitely motivation and hope, man. Um, so you so you transitioned over into sales. Is, is it everything that you thought it would be? Is this your first sales job, first sales position? Yeah, so th this is my first sales job, and this was nothing like I thought it was going to be. Yeah. <laughs> now, I got I got sold a dream. I'm not going to lie. I got sold. I can come to work at 8.30, leave by 2, make oh, yeah. a 1000 2000 bucks a day, go home, hit the gym, play the game, go to sleep, do it again the next day. Yeah. And it was not like that. Really? Now, man, <laughs> I mean, forget the training. The training was intense, but forget that because everybody gets through the training you either get through the training or you'll never make it on the floor because mm -hmm. if you can't discipline yourself to get through training you'll never survive on the floor at least in my opinion yeah but when i got on the floor it was it was like eat sleep timeshare repeat man it was i wake up in the morning prepare myself mentally for work go in pitch a few families get no deal stress on the way home why i didn't sell that family try to think what i could have i done better and then i get home and it was timeshare videos, books, and then I'd be like, man, it's time to unwind. Yeah. I throw on some Hulu, Netflix, but all I could think about is timeshare. Yeah. And you know, it's like maybe, you know, maybe if I go to sleep, I'll be able to cool down. I go to sleep, all I can dream about is timeshare. Yeah. yeah. Sales. Oh, what happens if I lose my job? What happens if I what if I said this? What if I didn't say this? Like and it was like that every single day, probably two, maybe three months. And nobody told me that. Mm -hmm. I was told the dream. I was told, make it through training, hit the floor, got you. <laughs> and, and you know what? They, they helped me out, but man, it was like, it was not what I thought. Not at all. But I, I'm still glad that I did it, though. That's How it. long did it take for things to click for you? Because it, it sounds like you're doing pretty good uh, within the six months that you've been here. So. Uh, so it probably took me a month to lose that anxiety of, oh, man, I got a family. Cause I used to get scared, like a sick feeling in my chest before mm -hmm. I used to meet these families. And I was never really like, I mean, I've never, I'm not the most sociable person, but I've never really been shy per se. Mm -hmm. After that month, it was like, okay, now I know what I'm doing. Not know what I'm doing, like getting sales, but like now I know my pitch. And it yeah. wasn't a great pitch, but I knew my pitch. Yeah. yeah. And then after that, it probably took me two, three more to get closing on the standard, like, consider myself, hey, like, I can hang now. Like, it took me a few months to get like that. Yeah. But then I'd say probably five, maybe five months deep, November, I kind of hit the point where I was like, you know, I'm starting to feel a little confident now. Like, I know if I say this, if I got this type of family in front of me, I, I can cook a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I'm still, I feel like I'm still getting to that point because where I'm at right now is like, yes, I'm doing well, and I know that what I'm doing is me. I'm doing it. But at the same time, it's like, I got to sell myself that I can keep doing it. That's sure. kind of the point where I'm at right now. But I'd say probably four or five months to really get to a point where I feel like I come into work and I feel good yeah. about pitching. And I go home knowing I did all I could to get a sale. Correct. I think it comes with experience. The more families you see, the more objections you get that you see is like repetitive. So you kind of learn how to overcome it when they come back. Um, but you said something about training and... I know like training is the foundation of it all, but then there's the another learning curve when you hit the floor. So what was that like? So the training that we get, 
the, like you said, is the foundation. Mm -hmm. And it's, how do I say this? I want to make sure I think about this before I say <laughs> it. The training that we get will guarantee you sales if you do it right. You're guaranteed two out of 10, maybe three out of 10 if you do the, sale, the training right. But what they don't teach you in training, and they try to, but you can't learn it unless you're on a table, mm -hmm. is delivery. Like as much as I can role play in class, I'm never going to deliver it like I do on a table. Even today, my delivery on a table depends on the family that I have in front of me. That's not something that you can learn unless you're actually sitting there. Mm -hmm. Another thing, they teach urgency. They teach you how to close families, but you don't really learn how to close a family till you get them. Like even whenever we're doing an urgency saying like, oh, if the price of everything is going up, when would be the best time to do it? Right? Uh, when would be the best time to get involved? Mm -hmm. And they'll be, the family will be like, now, yeah. But it's like, you don't learn that that's not a good answer. Right. You don't learn until you hit the floor that you got to get them to really believe in what they're saying. You got to get them to give you that feedback. And I feel like that's something that, yes, training teaches it, but you can't really learn it until you at least see maybe 50, 100 families. And you probably learn how to dig deeper and not just to take that, but to make them elaborate on why. Yes. Yeah. That's something that... Uh, that's actually a great way for me to respond to the question you asked me earlier, Dylan. Stop. You said, when did everything click for you? Yeah. November was when I realized, look, if they say that the best time is to do it now, I should probably ask them why it's the best time to do it now. <laughs> I didn't realize that. Yeah. Uh, something I like doing now is I got husband and wife. If I know the wife is more into it, I'll ask a closing question to the wife. Like, uh, why is it the best time to do now? And then I'll ask the husband, do you agree? Why yeah. do you think your wife feels that way? For sure. That's yeah. something that took me months to figure out. And it's so simple. Yeah, so simple. But I, fuck, I just didn't know. That's what's up, though. Yeah. You know what? Another good one, too, is, is well, let me ask you that before we, we go into this. What do you feel is the most important step in the presentation? What do I feel is the most important step? We're talking A through Zs or owners? Uh, A through Z. Pencil pitch. The pencil pitch. Okay, 100%. why is that? I feel, at least on my tours, without a pencil pitch, mm -hmm. I don't have a shot at a sale. Because the pencil pitch justifies buying the program. Because without the pencil pitch, the people can easily tell me, yeah, we weren't interested in buying anyway. We, we don't plan on spending money today. We don't need it. But with a good pencil pitch, I feel like a family will never say that. And if they do say that, all I have to do is refer back to my pencil pitch. Yeah. Now, for the viewers and the listeners that are tap, tuned in, what is the pencil pitch? The pencil pitch is basically a way for us to justify a few things. We go over vacation homes, hotels, and timeshare. With the vacation home, we justify the maintenance fees because if you own a home, you're going to pay maintenance. On the hotel section, we take all of the money that they're going to spend on vacation right now. We add it up. And if it's too low, we inflate it. Facts. And then we tell them for that same money that they're spending on hotel rooms anyway, if they could have a condo, which makes more sense. And then when they choose the condo, we tell them rather than going to the condo, going back home and losing your money, wouldn't it make sense to own the condo outright? Mm -hmm. And if they tell you no, you have to beat that family in right there. But 99% of the time they're like, yes, it makes more sense to own the condo for the same money I'm going to spend anyway than to rent it. And that justifies the sale from then on. Okay. So if I'm an owner, what would, what is the most important step of the presentation if I'm an owner? Discovery. Mm. Trust in discovery. This guy's good, man. Where you, where you guys get this from? <laughs> where you get this guy from? November. <laughs> November. It was clicking. <laughs> Trust in discovery. Discovery. Yo, that is, you hit it right on the nail because the discovery is going to tell you everything that you need to know. You know what I'm saying? It's going to create the path for you. You're right. So what what is some good, dis why do you say discovery? Because with an owner, especially more recently, they've limited us a lot on what we can sell. With an owner, 99% of the time, they don't want to buy anything else. They never come in saying, I want more. So you have to find out any little tick, any little reason for you to sell them something, mm -hmm. and you got to blow it up. And then if they don't have anything per se that you can blow up, you got to fabricate it. But whenever they have something already, your chances of a deal are much higher, in my opinion. Yeah. 
Whenever they have something already, what do you mean? For example, uh, let's say mom and dad, they're in their 70s. They have three kids. They own a two-bedroom unit. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, which kid do you guys love the least? Mm-hmm. Mm. They didn't bring their kids here. Their kids are grown. But through a discovery, I find out that they got three kids and only two bedrooms. One kid is going to inherit nothing. That's an example of discovery. Mm-hmm. Got you. I like it. You know, a lot of people that start in the business, they have a choice. They say, <clears throat> I either want to go to front line. Some some resorts call it front line. Some call it day line. I want to go to front line or in-house. And a lot of people fear in-house because in-house is dealing with owners, people who already own. And then there's people like yourself who take it all. And I think that one of the key things that everyone needs to know, if you start an in-house, you get a, you kind of become stronger because you can deal with multiple different tour sources. You can deal with owners, exchangers, renters, guests of owners, guests of exchangers. You kind of like, you got all these different powers. But if you if you start on Frontline, you won't have that experience. And I think a lot of people fear starting in in-house. Now, you went in in-house because you were already in that environment, right? But now with that knowledge, you can pretty much go anywhere. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree. Um, obviously, I haven't worked uh, frontline or dayline in any other resort. I think that our renters would be similar to those tours, but from what I've heard, our renters are kind of a higher quality tour than the yeah than the frontline tours. I um, mean, what do you th- you ever did frontline? Frontline, yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Frontline and in house. I started in in house, but I've also transitioned into frontline. Which one do you like better? You like working with owners more? Uh, definitely owners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's in the blood. The owners already believe in the product or tried the product. They already have an understanding that this, what they want to do with it. I think you, if they have a problem, we just fix it. Um, I feel like with uh, the owners more specifically, why I like them, number one, I mean, it's a little less work. But mm-hmm. the fact that they um, have already spent money today. With an A through Z, you might get that objection. Hey, I'm not doing anything today. But with an owner, they can never tell you that because they've done it. They've spent money today, mm-hmm. and they can't tell me they have it because I don't. They don't do beatbacks. So yeah. it's like, if you have a sale, it's always gonna come down to money or them just not wanting the product. So if I can get them to want whatever I'm selling them, it's gonna come down to money, and they'll never tell me not today. Well, I was always told with an owner, you have to create a problem. Yeah. And for sure, if they don't fix the problem then they're going to be stuck with something that doesn't work for them, right? So either way, they're going to have that issue. So I think that's the difference between owners and a non-owner because a non-owner, yeah, they don't really got to make the decision. They can continue renting, but they're not stuck with something like yeah. that they've already committed to. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, because a lot of times the problems that we create are insane. Telling these people that their equity is all messed up or the fact that they own every other year and they're missing all of these benefits, like, Nobody can leave feeling good that they said no, unless they've done this five, six, seven times. And at that point, I mean, it's tough. So on the in, on the on the in-house side, to me personally, it's just a lot more games being played. You know, because if I had a frontline tour and I do an A through Z, um, I'm just creating the dream, right? I'm just building the dream, putting them in a picture of what their life could be like if they were to, you know, become owners with us here today. But like you said, on the ownership side, on the owner side, they already own, right? So we got to create a problem. So now it's just like you're just playing games at this point with them. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just like nah, it's a lot of acting. It's a lot of acting for sure. I don't. I don't think people really understand that. I mean, I try to explain that that it's like acting. People should take acting classes. But at what part of the presentation do you feel is the most theatrical? There's two two sections. I would say the first is whenever you create the problem. Because if if your discovery either isn't good enough or you, they just don't have any issues, whatever problem you create, they have to believe in. And if you go and tell a monotone that everything is wrong and you don't leave any justification and you don't seem like that you're really pushing this issue, I feel like a lot of times they'll blow you over and won't believe. Mm-hmm. And the second time, and I think the more important time is on the back end with the manager. Because whenever your manager is coming in on an owner, a lot of times it's not just to 
be the second face and make it more affordable. A lot of times it's more to secure a sale. Like uh, the other day, I had a, I had sold a family that had been offered the same uh, pitch, the same unit that I was selling them as an owner. He had been offered it for nine grand by telesales. And just for context, that's below my minimum. My minimum was 14. And me and my manager got this sale through nothing but acting on the back end. I was yelling at him. He was yelling at me. We were fighting on the table. For sure. Like, we were getting aggressive. But the family ain't know that. The, yeah. fa the family was looking at us like, oh, I'm their hero. I'm defending them. Yeah. And my manager is the, you know, the, the awful man that came to steal their timeshare. Like, yeah. But without that interaction, I would have never had that sale. So, A lot of sales reps don't know about that. See, there's a lot of sales reps that don't know anything about, you know, dancing with their TO. That's what you call a dance. You know, y'all got to dance with each other. A lot of a lot of reps don't know that. You got to have a dance with them, whether you guys are yelling at each other or playing good cop, bad cop, or or both of you guys are trying to help them because of some a situation that happened or something like that. So, yeah, you got to have that dance with a, with a TO. That's good that you have that, though, man. Now, the back end. The, the dance in the back end and all that is not really taught in training. So at what point at what point did you establish a good dance? Honestly, that was a lot more recent because with the way that we have it at my resort is we're switched managers either on a daily or weekly basis. So you're not working with the same person over and over and over again unless you're selling. If you're producing well, you're able to pick your manager for the week. And until recently, I didn't have the privilege of picking my manager. So I was kind of always getting tossed around from manager to manager. And I feel that it takes time to build that dance. You can't just talk it out, make a game plan, and go. I mean, you can, but it, it won't work all the time. Mm -hmm. yeah. Especially on A through Z's, because there's not really much of a dance. There. there is, but it's not huge. Yeah. But I feel like more recently, I have a manager that I've been working all the time with. He's my number one guy. I love working with him. And he's been helping me a lot, especially when I was newer. But I'd say probably three, four months in is when we really developed that dance. And now I know when I go to a table and I bring him, I'm like, hey, we're doing this. And he's like, all right, let's do it. And we know exactly what we're doing. Yeah. It's like good cop, bad cop, or hey, I'm bringing you in to help me help this family. It's like, like you said, there's a whole list of dances. But I only have that with one of my managers. And we have 10 total. Mm. So I feel like that's just something that would take time to really build maybe a couple months of working with somebody consistently. Yeah, you definitely got to be creative. I remember when I was on the table, I used to have my coworkers, you know, shout out David Cohen. We got to give we got to get him on the show. Um, I used to tell David, "Hey, look, man, I'm I'm going on this table. I'm going to be going over <laughs> I'm going to be going over this proposal in like 10 minutes. I want you to come tell me that the uh, the the unit's been sold, snatch it off my table and just walk away. <laughs> and I'm going to be yelling your name like, "Hey, come back." And you just keep walking. He's like, "All right, man, I'll do it." You know, so you got to get creative on the table. So when he came and did that, the family's looking shocked, crazy. They can't believe it happened. So now I got to go fight for them to try to, you know, make sure, no, you guys had first rights to it first. Let me see what I can do. Now I go run off on the table. We run around the corner and we eating hot dogs laughing. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> you got to get creative on the table, man, for sure. No, nah, that's real because uh, that family, I was just talking to you about, about how uh, me and my manager have been fighting. Cause he came in as the director of sales and mm -hmm. I told this man that I work customer service. Yeah. But the next day, me and my manager, we were just chilling, having a great time, laughing it up. And the guy came up for breakfast and see me laughing at the <laughs> oh, guy I was cussing shoot. out the day before. Oh my goodness. So it's like, we almost got caught in that. The guy was cool, but yeah, yeah, no, that's crazy. I think the dance is, um, with different teals is just, it varies. And I think the better you get, the more you can tell a person, come to my table like this. But in the beginning, you're new and you're not directing anything. And I remember hearing something that, that always stuck with me. There was a statement that says, the T.O. works for you. The T.O. works for you. And I don't know if that kind of made me feel like great at the time because, you know, you they listen, they don't eat unless you eat, you know. But in the beginning, it seems like when you don't know, you have to go with their direction. But now as you get better, you can say, this is how I set it up. This is how I want you to come to the table. Now, do you find yourself challenging when you try to direct? Like, let's say you're not working with the person that you normally close with and you're working with someone else and you try to tell them to come to the table and they do the opposite. Does that happen to you? 
Nah, because I'm going to be honest. I don't like stepping on people's toes. Mm. I kind of know my place a little bit. Every time I work with a manager I don't normally work with, I show, like if I have an owner, I show them my account. I'm like, hey, how do you want me to pitch this? Mm. And sometimes they'll tell me, hey, I want you to pitch it like this. Or other times they'll be like, do your thing. But regardless, I'll go in pitching what they say. And if that route doesn't work out, then I'll diverge and, you know, communicate. Mm-hmm. But I feel like communication is, is key on that. Because I've never, only one time I had a manager get mad at me for not pitching what they wanted. And that's just because I, I didn't understand what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I was still new. So, no, I wouldn't say I, n- I ever had a experience like that where they came in and we weren't on the same page. All right, cool. It happens, though. I hear it all the time. Like, people say, like, I told him to do this and he did this. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, you, I hear stories of that all the time, but it's never happened to me, thankfully. I think the managers have, even though they they go on to different tables and they they may, their mind can be all over the place, I think sometimes they feel like this strategy is going to work. Regardless of what you told me, I think this is going to be the route. Even though you were with them for two hours or whatever, they feel like they've, they've determined which route to go. And it may be opposite of what you were thinking. And when it, if, when it works, it's good. <laughs> but when it doesn't work, it's like, you're like, it doesn't listen. I hate working with this person. I think what it comes down to is, um, like, this business is very merit-based. Mm-hmm. So the managers, they've done a lot to be managers, to become TOs, whatever you want to call them. So when it comes to what they say, most of the time it's going to fly. But at least more recently for me, because when I started, you know, it didn't matter what I say. I didn't know, I didn't know nothing. Mm-hmm. But more recently that I've been, you know, closing more, when I tell a manager, like, hey, like, you know, this is what happened. I think we should go this route. They, I don't really get much, uh, like, they they kind of respect what I say now. Yeah. You know, whereas before it was like, nah, we're going to do this. Whereas now it's like, okay, nah, I get that. And sometimes they'll be like, hey, if we went this route, it might work better. And I'd be like, yeah, that might work. But, you know, this came up and this came up. And we just kind of discuss and, you know, figure out the best route to go, like, together, almost like a team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you build that over time because especially, like, how Rich was saying, when you're brand new, you kind of go with what the T.O. is saying. But yeah. once you start popping deals and they know you for popping deals, then they trust your judgment. They trust your lead. They let you do your own thing. Let's say you don't have nothing at the table and you go to them and say, man, look, I don't got nothing. They'll tell you, okay, go ahead and sign them. Or they won't even hit the table because they develop that level of trust for you. They know when you say there's nothing there that there's nothing there and they don't have to come behind you and clean it up or anything like that. But um, let me ask you this. What would you say is the hardest objection that you face on the table? The hardest objection? Yeah. It's got to be not today because any other objection that you get, either doing your presentation or even in the back end, you can overcome, at least in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But not today means that you didn't do a good enough presentation. And at that point, it's almost too late to save it. Hmm. So no urgency, basically. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, sometimes you can pound the urgency in, and a family will still tell you not today. And you can die, you can like work around it and turn that not today into, oh, so you just can't afford it today. But if you could afford it today, you would sign today, right? And if they're still selling you no. That's a tight out, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but if they're still telling you no after that, then you the presentation wasn't good enough. And at that point, you can't reverse time and start over. I mean, you can always try and repitch it, but now you're two hours, three hours deep, and they're looking at their clock like, hey, he's telling us the same thing for the fourth time again. Like, yeah, So not mm-hmm. today would be the hardest, in my opinion. Yeah, got you. Well... Obviously, you got past those people that wasn't saying not today, and you made it through the summer. You made it through the little slower season of the year, September, October. You turned up in November for sure. We had uh, BCR. Is that no, not BCR. It's not Black College reunion. It's a classic weekend here in Orlando, Florida, oh, yeah. and we also had Thanksgiving, and then we had that slow season in um, December, and then we had Christmas and New Year. So weeks fifty-one and fifty-two was the peak. And then, you know, now we're going to get... Are you taking vacations early this year or anything? I'm taking a week uh, in January. Okay. Yeah. You going anywhere special? Nah, I'm just taking time off. Yeah. I, might, I might stay a weekend at a beach or something. You've been going hard. You've yeah. been going hard. 
So you got so your New Year's ahead of you. You reset. Everyone's back to zero. You know what I'm saying? I know that at your resort, you're it's a large resort, so there's a lot of numbers that was flowing around. You got people that made six hundred thousand and and stuff like that. Um, there's actually a new class that was just released not too long ago. And our last episode, we talked about you know when was the best times to get involved or to get into the game. So obviously you came into the summer, so you had a good run, and now you learn. So now your your year is going to go way more better because now you know how to manage your time. You know you have different tours. You've made it to the teams, so now you're getting additional tours. So you know when I was sitting down with some people earlier, we talked about you know how to how to set your goal for the year, and if you reverse engineer your goal by to first determine how much money you want to make, there's a formula that you can calculate all the way down to telling you how many tours you need to take for the year. And I feel like the only way to get the, the amount of tours you need is to be able to get on teams as well. If your resort has teams, then you understand that there's additional opportunities and different circumstances that those people uh, come in front of you. It's not just off the wheel. It's not just a renter or owner. It could be an owner just purchased last year. It could be an owner a person who purchased a package, a trial package, and that's going to get you to that goal. So kudos to you, man, and good job for doing your damn thing. You know what I'm saying? Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, yeah. like, being, I was going to say, mm-hmm. piggyback on that, being on those teams is definitely going to, it's it's an advantage. There's more opportunities, put it that way. It's more opportunities for you to make more money. So that's good. Anybody out there that's, at a resort right now, you want to try to work your way onto those special teams that you have at your specific resort. Maybe it's first-time backs. Maybe they bought a travel package or something of that nature, and now they're coming back to the resort for the first time using it. You want to be on that team that are seeing um, those families. So now that you've been in the game for, you know, a good season, what do you think is the biggest misconception about the whole timeshare product? Biggest misconception. Mm. Probably the biggest misconception is that it's a scam because it's not a scam. I mean, is it a great investment? I'm not going to endorse that, but (laughs) I mean, the product works. And for some people, it really does change their lives. Mm -hmm. For some people, it saves them money. For some people, it gets them out of the house. Some people spending a little extra money on the timeshare will save their family. And every single tour that I get, at least the eight Ruzis, I tell them timeshare is not for everyone. So if you don't buy, I'm not going to hold any grudge against you. Now, I'm still going to push that timeshare like crazy mm-hmm. and make sure that they buy and make sure they understand that it's for them. But it's truly not for everyone. Like for some people it works, for some people it doesn't. But it all just depends on the program that you have and how you actually use it and if you actually use it. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. That's a big one. If you use it, if you don't use it, then you already know. I guess that's when people can say it's a scam. But my my aunt bought a timeshare. She bought it. She's been an owner for, I don't know, fifteen some fifteen odd years, and she's only used it twice. Oh, yeah, no. Nah. Does she rent it? She don't rent it. She don't rent it. She uh, doesn't know about the exchange program. She don't know she gets free getaway. She doesn't know anything. Mm. It's sad. There's people out there like that though. We would like to speak to her. (laughs) I mean, you know what's funny? There's going to be a tour that comes in with that same scenario, and they will buy again. Yeah. Because they didn't have the right person to say, I can help you. I'm going to push you. I'm going to show you how to manage this better. And I think that's what, you know, we like about owners because it just takes the right person to say, you're using the product wrong. Why aren't you using it? Why aren't you going somewhere? Why aren't you possibly renting it to someone else? Now, some resorts allow people to rent, they're weak, some don't, right? But I, I believe that when people have the flexibility to offset their costs or to really to dump off their additional weeks, they'll be like, you know what? I'll give that a shot. Do you get people like that? I do. A lot of people are willing to, to try and willing to make it, you know, make it almost pay for itself, not entirely, but mm-hmm. make it help. But I feel like the problem with a lot of people is they get sold a dream and then they don't work the dream. Like... For example, when it comes to the rental, yes, your unit can pay itself off. Yes, you can cover your maintenance fee. Yes, it can be self-sufficient when it's cashed out. Mm -hmm. And these people get sold that, and they're so excited. And then they go home, and they don't rent it. And then they come back and blame the salesman that sold them a piece of property that they planned on renting and didn't rent. Yeah. Now, 
obviously part of it is to to the salesman fault for making it sound too good, but that's their job, man. Like that's on you for not making it work. Yeah. But do you do you believe in rental? Like that the person can rent their weed? Hundred percent. People do it all the time. I have an owner that actually does it. I have an owner that rents it out their week, and the person that rented their week from him came and bought timeshare for me. Mm. Get out of here. Swear to God, yeah. That raises that raises your um not just credibility, but your um what's the word I'm looking for? Like you're passionate about it because you know it works. Yeah. Like me. I know it works. I know people can rent. I've seen people, I've have helped people, I've guided people, I've seen it exchange hands. So I I totally believe that it works. But some people um they may inflate the numbers or maybe over exaggerate, but there's no reason why a person couldn't let rent their week to a family member, friend, or even a stranger because the, the, the resources are out there. But some resorts don't let you do that at all. I did not know that. Yeah, some resorts don't let you do it. I think there's very few that allow you to freely tell the person <clears throat> that you have this opportunity to do so. But it's always been in the business. You know what a guest certificate is with Interval? That is a way yeah. for you to put a week in someone else's name. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be spelled in black and white. Why the hell are you putting it in someone else's name? But they've given these people the tools. And if you're a platinum member with Interval, guess what? There's no fee to put it in someone else's name. Yeah. So, I mean, things are in place to help these people. But in our in our business, sometimes it gets a little stretched, you know? And I think some people, um, if they don't, like you said, it's like saying, you know, my New Year's resolution is to, to lose X amount of pounds. Like, you have the blueprint, but if you don't follow the diet plan and the workout plan, you're not going to lose those pounds. 100%. So that's the truth. So you're right about that, and I appreciate that explanation so some resorts are can you for saying that you know those are things that people can do but it's true they can't do it but i guess you're not supposed to involve yourself with getting them to that goal but it is true it does work you know what i'm saying yeah another thing is product knowledge too um how rich which is going going in if you have platinum you don't have to pay you know little extra fees and things like that uh some owners just don't know how to use their program Right. So if you're able to if you're knowledgeable enough on your product knowledge to be able to share with them how to use the program, that'll help them out. Also, let me ask you this, um, Riss. Do you have an area growth pitch? I do, actually. Okay. My, my aerial growth pitch isn't anything special. It's just little tidbits of what I've heard from other people. Mm -hmm. As of right now, I'm using uh, two things or I'd say three things. The first I use is Universal's Epic Universe. That's big. But the way that I pitch Epic Universe is I don't pitch it as, oh, Epic Universe is coming, everything's going to get more expensive. The way that I pitch Epic Universe is Epic Universe is coming, the demand is going to go up. What's going to happen to your exchange power? Mm -hmm. That's phase one for me. Mm -hmm. That's big. Phase two is Disney. Disney's opening up a new park. I don't even know if it's real, but I got the article. Mm -hmm. Star Wars Force World or something. Yeah. I pitched the hell out of that. When Star Wars Force World is going to come, what do you think is going to happen to the price of real estate? Yeah. And then I try to build the value of the product based off of that. And then phase three of my area growth pitch is more specific to Westgate. We're doing renovations on our property. So I love to take a family to a renovated unit, and I'll tell them, hey, this unit is $80,000. I'll take them to an unrenovated unit, the five-bedroom. Guys, this unit is $191,000, and it's unrenovated. What do you think is going to happen to the price when we renovate this unit next year? I think it's going to double or triple. Mm -hmm. And that's how I like to use the area growth to build value. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I tie back in Epic Universe. I tie back in Disney. Because realistically, with everything that's happening, what's going to happen to the price of these condos? And then we sell them for 20 grand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. I love it. I love it. You're saying everything right. You know, there's a lot of reps that... They don't have an area growth pitch, man. They just out here putting on and trying to put on a suit and walk around trying to be cute. And it, it, it takes a little bit more than that. You know what I'm saying? You got to have your pitch down right, man. You got to have your pitch down right, right? And you, you're not just saying things just to say it. There's a reason why you're saying these things. You know what I'm saying? So when you tell them, you know, what do you think is going to happen to the price of real estate? What do you think is going to happen to the price of this? Is it going to double? Is it going to triple? That? There's a reason, you know, why you're sharing those things with them. But that's good, man. I like it, man. Um, 
whoever trained you, man, they trained you right. Wherever you got this, wherever you got, <laughs> wherever, wherever they, wherever they drop these jewels and these nuggets off at, to you at, man, you got it from the right person because you on you on your way for sure. And I, I was blessed because um, coming from admin, I had almost the entire sales floor willing to help me, whereas most people didn't really have that opportunity. I had everybody. People normally you have to go to someone and ask for help. Yeah, I had people coming to me like, look, man, your numbers ain't good. You, you got to sit down. You got to learn this. And I would listen to them, and they would give me tips. And at first, it kind of derailed me a little bit because I tried to do what everybody was saying. Mm -hmm. But after time, it was kind of like filter everything, take what works for me, add it in, listen what the managers are saying. Because almost everything in my pitch, there's only one thing in my pitch that I could say I think I created. And I'm not even sure if somebody's done it before. But my entire pitch for every single pitch I know it's tidbits of other people's information absolutely put together in my delivery yeah that's how i know you're gonna be successful because i came through the same I, I went through the same thing same channels where it took people to say bro your presentation is too long let me show you how to do this you know oh yo i heard they put you on a two for ten let me holler at you you know what i'm saying because there's some people that know that you're a good person that you're you're genuine that you got it in you, and they said, let me put you on the game. You know what I'm saying? And there were some people that, when I was new, just like you, put me to the side. Just like you talked about Paris, one of them, put me to the side, Paris Teller. i never forget Nancy Morales. I don't know if you know Nancy Morales. Nancy Morales was a beast. Did the same thing. You know what I'm saying? Um, There's a, it's a, it's a few different people, uh, different TOs. Uh, you haven't met Fess. Fess is in Dubai right now. He lives in Dubai. But um, different people that put me to the side and said, you're a beast, and I see it in you. Let me show you what I do. So when you become this master closer, it's bits and pieces from everyone. Everyone on the floor has been through that. There's no one pitch that came. You know what I'm saying? Like, we may come up with our own stuff. I come up with my own stuff. I get creative. But Ken Lawson was my T.O. Ken Lawson taught me a lot, and I would take it to my level. Like, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to put this spin on it, you know? So keep doing your thing, man. I'm very, very proud of you, man, because I've seen that. And look, you're still early in the game. Early just in the game, just, yeah. just just warming up. Now you, and that's how it was. When I started, I started in July. So I had that run in the summer, you know what I'm saying? And then now you get to see the, the game from the from the start. You know what I'm saying? The race has, has reset, and now you get to see the seasons, and you get to get on, now you're on the teams, and I follow the same path. So it's going to be a good ride, bro. Thank you, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely looking forward to it. I just wish I could turn back the clock and start when I was 19. For sure. <laughs> you know, for sure, for sure. everybody says that to me, man. Facts. You know what I'm saying? It's what it is, man. Nah. So I'll tell you this. When we have people come on the show, we always say, yo, we want to invite you back on the show. You know, come back on here. And they always say, all right, I'm going to get my million dollar ring and then I'll be back. And we don't see them. They don't make it. <laughs> they never make it back. So I'm telling you, man, we definitely want to see you on the show again. You know what I'm saying? Bring that million dollar ring back with you when you come. All right, man. Give me uh, <laughs> I'll see you next summer. Yeah. It's two million now. It's for two sure. million now? Yeah, it's two million. So as a tradition, everyone that comes on the show, we thank you for blessing us. I know you got your sold in 60 shot glass. You know what I'm saying? For every yeah, sale, sure. every time you're taking the deed in, go home, take a shot. It could be of water in case, you know what I'm saying, you don't drink. Yeah. But tradition is uh, we we um, shuffle the sold in 60 objection cards because we believe that objections is a key to get into a sale. Uh, our viewers are coming from all over. We got people in VA, Wisconsin, um, Orlando. Shout out Wisconsin and VA. Vegas. Random, you know, all over. And I love the fact that they tap in, so we appreciate them for tapping in. But the objection cards, we're going to go over one. And we're going to let you pick one, and then we're going to see uh, how you would handle it. So uh, let's see. <coughs> Don't judge me too much. I'm nah, still I'm D, still new to the game. I'll let D do it. D, D, I shuffled them. I got a feeling you're about to crush this objection, right, brother. Let's hear it. So the objection is going to be at the top. When you pull the card, read the objection so that way the viewers can hear which objection? You guys want me to fast fire or take a second to think? Just like you was do on the table. Think. Yeah, take right, I'll take this one. Do you think? Right here. All right. The maintenance goes up all the time. All right, that's a good one. 
How would you handle that? A guest is on the table, a tour is on the table telling you the maintenance goes up all the time. Okay, look, John and Mary, I understand the fact that you would think the maintenance going up all the time is an issue. But did you know that the maintenance in the COVID year actually went down by $7? Now, I understand that's not a huge amount of money. But the maintenance isn't a way for Westgate to make money off the owners. I mean, I know you think that, but you have to understand what goes into the maintenance. Every time there's a plumbing issue, electrical issues, anytime there's a chip on the door, even general maintenance, like whenever we get a hurricane, we get five hurricanes a year here in Orlando. Would you prefer to fix the roof every single time something goes wrong on the condo? Or would you prefer to pay a $1,200 fee and have everything taken care of? including an insurance on your condo whenever your kids are throwing around a baseball inside the unit. Please tell me which which one would make more sense for you. Mm, like it. It was weak. It was weak. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But still, no, you're on weak. the right path. No, I love it. It definitely wasn't weak. Don't say that. Yeah, because the like person it. could understand it. You have an analogy. Yeah. It, it makes sense, you know? Maybe we don't have five hurricanes all the time, but yeah. you know what I'm saying? The maintenance like may not have gone down a little bit, yeah. but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, however, the taxes fluctuate. Taxes can go down, go down or up, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I like that. Um, let me see what the back of the card says. For those people that may purchase it, let's see what it says. So you agree that maintenance is important, correct? They did, they did agree maintenance was important on the pencil pitch. They did. Okay? All right. So if you look at the resort's beautiful landscaping, painted buildings and road signs, endless amenities... You can truly appreciate that when you come back, the resort will be in the best condition you can ask for. Would you agree? Yeah. Okay. So maintenance maintains the property. So when you come, it's in, in a good quality condition. And when you send somebody down, they can stay in a good resort as well. That also preserves the value of your property. Absolutely. There you go. Yeah. And with those rebuttals, that's how you get sold in 60. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yo, For Rich, sure. we appreciate you, man. I appreciate you tapping in 2024. We hope that you have a, a big year, big year. And please come back and, and you know, tell us about your year and, and show us what you learned because, I mean, right now you're up. It's up and it's stuck. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So we appreciate you, King. Thank you, man. All right? Appreciate you having me. That was Risk. You're now watching The Soldier 60. If you haven't, go ahead and follow us on Instagram at Soldier 60. Like, comment, share. And if you want to hear a topic, go ahead and put it in the comments or send a DM because that's where we communicate with everyone so we know what's going on. We appreciate you tapping in. We hope you have a big year ahead of you. You're now watching Sold in 60 with your host, Richie Rich, and my man, Down Payment Dylan. Peace. We out. <laughs>